on, say that one more time. Bless, bless, bless this holy name. Bless his holy name. Hallelujah. Now, without clapping your hands, just open up your mouth and give God a great praise right there. Come on, open up your mouth. The Bible says that everything that has breath, praise the Lord. Open up your mouth and give him a great praise right there. Hallelujah. A praise of thanksgiving for being in a brand new year. A praise of thanksgiving for bringing us through 2022. A brand new, uh, a thanksgiving, a praise of thanksgiving for, uh, for him bringing us through every trial and tribulation and disappointment and everything that we've had to go through. Somebody ought to open up their mouth and just tell God thank you for being so good for being so good so good so good come on put those hands together come on put those hands together come on put your hands together and give our God a great praise he is worthy of the praise the glory and the honor you may be seated in the presence of the Lord as you're taking your seats, can you help me praise God for Pastor Stephen Maurice Robinson Jr. and the Zion Temple Church of God in Christ's music ministry? Come on, you all do a lot better than that. Hallelujah. I thank God for them. I thank God for Pastor Robinson and them making this sacrifice. Their service starts at 11 o'clock, uh, but they sacrificed to come and be with us this morning. Help me praise God for them again. Man, if you have not already turned to your neighbor and say, neighbor, I ain't seen you since last year. So I need to tell you a happy new year. Amen. We ain't been to church since 2022. This is our first time. Amen. Together in a brand new year, celebrating and basking in God's faithfulness. Has God been faithful to anybody in here this morning? Oh, man. We are living testaments of the faithfulness of God. Amen. Living Testaments. If we have any first-time guests worshiping with us for the first time, just wave at me. Any first-time guests? Amen. We have one up here. Amen. 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 We got one right there. Come on, Hopewell. Let me praise God for our first-time guests. Our ushers are going to give you a connections card, and we just want you to fill that out in its entirety. Please write legibly so that our team can be able to reach out to you. This is our point of contact just to tell you thank you for coming to worship with us. They're coming. The ushers are coming with the connections card. We got one here, one right there. Amen. They're coming with the connections card just to tell you again thank you for coming to worship with us. We don't take it lightly at all because you could have been anywhere. You could have been anywhere, but we're so glad that you are here with us today come on hope well help me praise God for all of our first-time guests and while you're clapping help me praise God for all of our hope at home viewers those that are watching online we thank and praise God for you as well because you don't have to be here hey man you probably pulled the covers off your head and turned over and turned to church and we thank God for you doing that this morning hey just a few things I want to share with you and then we're going to get right to the word of God um, the Carbondale chapter of the NAACP is having a oratorical contest um, outside, of the, outside in the foyer on the ministry table it is for all children second grade all the way to high school it's different speeches broken up um, 
by the age levels, uh, registration forms, all those information is out there on the table. We want our children to participate. Many of them may have already heard about it in school, uh, but we want to be able to extend that to make sure that all of our children know to give them an opportunity um, to be able to work on their public speaking skills. Amen. They have to recite the speeches for, uh, by memory, um, and so we want to be able to encourage our children to take advantage of every opportunity possible um, to be able to exercise all of those gifts. Amen? Amen? Amen. Listen, we want to pray um, for some of our Hopewell members that have lost um, loved ones. We want to keep sister, our own sister Erica Weston lifted in prayer. Um, her uncle went home to be with the Lord this past Wednesday. Um, and so we want to pray for them. And we also want to pray uh, for our own Deacon Michael Bryant, um, Sister Gwendolyn Shaw, um, and Sister Jerry Atkinson. Um, their brother went home last night. Um, and so we want to pray for them. Let me tell you all this. Two things. Let me tell you this. First thing is this. It's a blessing in having a church family. Let me just say that. It is a blessing in having a church family. Not and have a place that you just don't go to, but a place that you belong to, that you have people. And I, and I get happy as the pastor that before I even reach out to some folks, Hopewell has already shown up. And that just shows the love and the care that we have. And that when we say family, it's not just something that sounds good for marketing, but that it's the truth, that we are literally a family. And so we want to continue to love on them. Miss Gwen, Sister Jerry Deacon, we, you know we got your back. Whatever Hopewell, myself can do, Erica, you are already know it whatever we can do you know that we are willing to do just that this past I, I got it written down I got you I got you this past Thursday uh, we just celebrated a month last month last first Sunday of December uh, we had prayed that morning for um, Mother Moultrie I had talked to her and she wanted strengthen her legs to be able to walk that's what we prayed last month in our 7 a.m. prayer um, last first Sunday. And Mother Moultrie came in and she walked into the building. She walked in. God answered our prayers and did a miracle. Uh, Mother Moultrie went home to be with the Lord this past Thursday. Uh, it's so funny, not funny, but just ironic. I talked to her on Tuesday. She was on my mind, so I called her and I talked to her. Um, and she just, she didn't sound right. So I texted, I said, Mother, you sure everything's all right? And she said, Pastor, I'll call you. And she called me and explained some different um, new health challenges that have presented itself. And she told me, she said, Pastor, she said, most times when doctors share news with me that's not so good, I'm normally scared and I'm crying. But she said, this time I'm, I'm not crying and I'm not scared. She said, in fact, she said, Pastor, if this is it, she said, if the Lord calls me home right now, I'm fine. She said, I'm not afraid of dying. She said, I just don't want to leave my family, but I'm not afraid to die. Brother Moses called me Thursday. I met them at the hospital, and then that evening, um, she went home to be with the Lord. It blows my mind, because we pray that God would heal her completely. And God has done just that, not in the way that we wanted it to be done. But I had to use my sanctified imagination. She doesn't have to worry about her feet swelling up. She ain't got to worry about cancer. She doesn't have to worry about all those different things anymore. Now she is healed and now she's whole. Can you all help me celebrate the life and praise God for the life of Mother Jerry Moultrie? Hallelujah. We're going to celebrate her life this coming Saturday, January the 7th. 
um, her childhood church, Paul's Chapel Missionary Baptist Church um, in Marion, Illinois. That's what the church that she was born and raised in until she came here to Hopewell. And so Brother Moses wanted uh, to take her back home. And I said, Brother, whatever you want to do, uh, we're going to support you in doing it. And so we want to make sure that when Brother Moses turns around that he sees his Hopewell family at Paul's Chapel Missionary Baptist Church on Saturday. Um, the times have not yet to be confirmed, uh, but once they are confirmed, I will communicate that via email and we'll pass the word around so that we'll all know um, so that we can be able to get there. We're going to host a repast there as well. Um, so if you are willing to help to serve, to clean up, I don't want Brother Moses to have to worry about anything at all. I don't want Paul's chapel to have to worry about anything at all. Um, I'm going to ask that our ushers to be ready to serve as well. Um, kind of old school. Uh, back in the day, preachers would take their ushers with them when they went different places. And so we're going we gonna to bring it back in 23. So I want to ask the ushers to be ready. Uh, mothers will have a section reserved for you all as well and, and your wife. Um, and then if you're willing to help serve food or to clean up, please let Sister Ross know so that we can make sure that we have everything ready again so that they don't have to worry about anything at all. Um, Brother Moses is a very quiet man. He does not say a lot of things. But the one thing that I do know is that he loved Mother Moultrie loud. He loved her. He loved her and all of his acts and all the things that he did. So we definitely want to keep them lifted in prayer. Grab your Bibles and journey with me to John chapter 2. John chapter 2. Familiar passage of scripture, John chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. And if you can't, just stand with me as we go to the word of God. John chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. John 2, 1 through 11. Once you have it, say amen. If you don't, just say, wait on me, Reverend, wait on me. Give me a little time. It's a new year. Hold on. John chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. And it reads as this from the New Living Translation of the Bible. It says, the next day, there was a wedding celebration in the village of Canaan in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples were also invited to the celebration. The wine supply ran out during the festivities, so Jesus' mother told him they have, they have no more wine. Verse 4, Jesus said, dear woman, that's not our problem. Oh, God. Jesus replied, my time has not yet come. But his mother told the servants, do whatever he tells you. Standing nearby were six stone, stone water jars used for Jewish ceremonial washing. Each could hold 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus told the servants, fill the jars with water. When the jars had been filled, he said, now dip some out, take it to the master of, the cer master of ceremonies. So the servants followed his instructions. Verse 9. When the master of the ceremonies tasted the water that was now wine, not knowing where it had come from, though of course the servants knew, he called the bridegroom over. A host always serves the best wine first, he said. Then when everyone has a lot to drink, he brings out the less expensive wine, uh, but you have kept the best wine until now. In other words, he said, we bring out, we bring out, we bring out the best now to get everybody all drunk. And then we bring out the other stuff. That's pretty much what he's saying there. Y'all could have laughed at that part. Then verse 11, this miraculous sign at Canaan in Galilee was the first time Jesus revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. I want to preach this morning from the subject, what to do when you run out of wine? 
what to do when you run out of wine. Father, we thank you now once again for allowing us to see a brand new year. You did not have to do it, but God, we thank you so um, that you did it. It's not that we've been so good, not that we've been so kind. It is because you are the definition of faithfulness. And so, Father, we ask and pray that as we come to the table to feast on your word, God, that we are open and ready and prepared, oh God, to receive all that you have to say to us through your word, God, not just in hearing, but in doing. Give us the, 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 the anticipation, oh God, the expectation to, <coughs> to apply <coughs> your word through obedience, oh God, that we may see the fruit of it and mature to be mature disciples. And it's in the strong name of Jesus we pray and all of God's people said, Amen. As you're taking a seat, just fist bump your neighbor, hug your neighbor, tell them it's so good to see them again. Tell them it's so good. Tell them it's so good to see them again. If you're ever hosting an event, the worst thing to ever happen is to run out. Doesn't matter what you're doing, if it's seats, if it's food, it does not make a difference. The worst thing to do when you are ever hosting an event, Brother Madison, is to run out of whatever it is you have there to serve your guests. This is what happens here in this story in John chapter 2. That it's not just about running out of wine, but there are some practical applications that you and I can be able to make that we can that we can be able to walk away from this text to be able to share in our lives that in the end goal that we may mature to be more Christ like Jesus. So intentional, so strategic in all that he does is always looking for every opportunity to be able to reveal just a snippet of who he is and not just reveal a snippet of who he is. Jesus is always looking for every opportunity in our lives to be able to teach us something about him that we did not know. Jesus is always looking through our lives, combing, combing through our lives, the good, the bad, the ugly, the ups and the downs, looking for opportunities of how he can be able to show and reveal who he is to us. Not so that we can be able to drift away, but to be able to draw us closer to him, to have greater faith in him, to have greater trust in him, to be able to rely upon him more than we ever have before in our lives. And he uses a wedding to be able to reveal a snippet of himself. I love this story because the Bible says that, that there at the wedding, Jesus is invited to the wedding. And I love the fact, oh, the James, that, 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 that Jesus is invited to the wedding because that talks a lot about Jesus' character. That talks a lot about Jesus' personality, that he was someone that people enjoyed being around, not just in the synagogue, but they enjoyed being around Jesus in other parts, in other moments, in other festivities and, uh, and happy times in their lives. They were excited enough and thought enough about Jesus to invite them and his disciples to this wedding. They get there to the wedding. I got to use my sanctified imagination. They probably had a good DJ ensemble. They were playing some good music and they had some good hors d'oeuvres going on. They had good food going on. Everybody's looking real good in their clothes because during this time, in, in, in this time in the context of the text, that when there was a wedding, a wedding was not just a one-day thing. It was not just a one-day thing. If the, if the groom had money, if his family had money, the wedding could go for a week 
two weeks nonstop, everybody having a good time. This was not, this was a moment for everybody to be able to catch up and see what's going on in your life. They may not have seen somebody uh, uh, since last month. They were down by the water well trying to get some water, but now they're at this wedding and they're there. So can you imagine a wedding reception that lasts more than two hours? I mean, can you imagine the supply of food and drinks and entertainment that you have to have because the, the longer your wedding was, was an indicator how much money you had. So it gave you a little bit of bragging rights to be able to say, hey, I had a wedding reception. I had a wedding celebration that went on for a week, that went on for two weeks. It was an indicator that you had some change in your pocket. So Jesus is there at the wedding. He's invited to the wedding. They thought enough about Jesus to get him there. And they get there to the wedding, and then all of a sudden, something happens that nobody prepared for. All of a sudden, something happens that nobody thought that would happen. They ran out of wine. What are you supposed to do now? Guests are probably still coming in. DJ still playing the music. People are realizing their cup has getting low and they're walking to the table to only realize there's nothing there at the table. Wine, biblically, symbolizes joy. It symbolizes God's blessing. We have taken something that God has meant for us to be able to, to, to see it as a symbolism of joy and we have overindulged in it because I, I, I would even go as far to be able to say this. Could the issue not be that God does not have a problem with drinking but he has a problem with people overindulging in drinking? Because in overdulging in drinking is when the trouble comes in that people start doing crazy stuff, start telling all of their secrets and everybody else's secrets and start doing silly things because they've gotten too much. Because just as we want to, they've got to be careful, saints, just as we will want to condone and talk about how it's a sin to get drunk on food, could it be the same way it is to be able to overeat after you know you're good and full and you're still eating? I mean, I know it's good, but you're full. I mean, you're full to the point that you can't even move, but the food is sitting right there in front of you, and you made the perfect combination, and you got everything together so good and so nice, and you keep telling yourself, one more bite. Okay, maybe I'm testifying. That, 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 that's, that's my testimony. One more bite, and then I'm going to be done. Could it be that the things that God has meant to bless us, that we have taken it a, a step farther and we have used those things to overindulge and get ourselves in trouble? Amen. Jesus is there. Now somebody can go home and say, well, if Reverend said that it's all right. I'm not what I'm saying. There. And wine goes out. And they're trying to figure out what are we going to do to solve this problem. Jesus' mother is there and she looks at him and she tells him the wine is out. And he responds, woman, my time has not come. This ain't my problem. What do you want us to do? We see a miracle that happens. But anytime there's a miracle, please hear me when I say this, anytime there is a miracle that takes place, there is some human action that goes apart along with it. 
Whenever we see a miracle, whenever we desire to see a miracle take place in our lives, it's not just going to happen just by God being God and God doing what he does. He's absolutely God and he's absolutely going to do what he does, but not without us playing a part to be involved in what he's doing. Because get this, even in this story and in other stories in our lives, Jesus could do all things on his own, but he still desires for us to participate in what he is desiring to do in our lives. Here it is. Let me get to the point because we already got dates signed up, uh, lined up for what we're going to eat today. Amen. On New Year's Day, somebody got some black eyed peas in a crock pot right now and some cornbread ready to go in the oven and some cabbage or some collard greens. Amen. With some, uh, 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 with some turkey meat in it. Praise God. Ready with some red Kool-Aid to eat after church. So let me go ahead and get out your way so that you can get home to your food. When you run out, here it is, saints of God, the first thing that you and I have to do is invite Jesus in. I love it. I love it. It's right there in the text. That's exactly what they do. They invite, and here it is. Thank you, Holy Spirit. They invited Jesus in, get this, saints, before there was a problem. They did not wait until they were out of wine. Them running out of wine happened after the fact. They had already invited Jesus to the celebration. Can I suggest something to you all and to myself and to all of us here in the building, all of us watching online, that in this new year that we have a brand new year, that we're basking in the first day of this brand new year, that we make it and make it our business that before we take on another day and tackle another day, I'm going to invite God in into my life and into every situation and circumstance that comes up because I realize that in this thing called life these burdens are way too much to bear on my own and I don't have to wait until to know that I have a problem to invite Jesus in. I'm inviting Jesus in now before the problems show up. Well pastor how do you walk? How do you invite Jesus in before the problems even show up? I invite Jesus in when I'm communing with him and and talking to him all the time and letting him know, God, I need you to lead me. I need you to guide me. I need you to direct me. I know I'm good in this area. I know I'm smart in this way, but I don't know enough to be able to run my own life. So I need you to walk with me. I need you to lead me. I need you to guide me. I need you to direct me every step of the way. What they did, they invited Jesus in. They invited Jesus in. They got Jesus involved before there was even a problem. And I like this part right here because get this, it's good to write down. Jesus shows up when he's invited. Okay, I know this is the first day of a new year and I might make some mad when I say this, but I'm going to go ahead and say it anyway. Could it be that we experience unnecessary heartache and struggles because we don't get Jesus involved. Could it be that there were some things that we wrestled with and struggled with in 2022 that could have been eliminated if we had invited Jesus in? Could it be that some things that we were tore up and stressed out about and pacing the floor and couldn't sleep and couldn't eat and couldn't drink and couldn't think, could it be that those things could have been eliminated if we had invited Jesus in? How less stressful could your life be right now if you got Jesus involved? 
How much better could your parenting be if you got Jesus involved? How much better of a worker could you be if you got Jesus involved? Because could it be that your boss is not the issue? Could it be that your co-workers are not the issue? Could it be that you are the issue? <laughs> and that the issue could be solved by getting Jesus involved. I like it because Jesus shows up when he is invited in. Jesus is not someone that's going to push or barge his way in, but Jesus is someone that is a gentleman that is waiting for an invitation for us to invite him in to get involved. We see it right there. Soon as the wine goes out, what does Mary do? She goes to Jesus. She goes to the one that she knows that could be able to fix the trouble that they're in. She goes to the one that she knows has the power to be able to change their situation around. She goes to the one that knows that can be able to fix anything. She goes to the one that she knows has the capability. Sometimes the frustrations that we have when it comes to life and handling life trials and tribulations is that we're running to the wrong people that can't do nothing for us. We're running to the wrong things that can't do nothing for us. We're running to every other resource except for God. And Jesus is saying, if you invite me in, I will show up. If you invite me in, I will do more than you imagine. If you invite me in, I can eliminate the stress and the burdens that you're feeling. If you get me involved, I can change your entire life. Here it is, when you run out, not only do you have to invite Jesus, here's the second thing. You got to bring your needs to Jesus. You got to bring, look at verse 3. You got to bring your needs. You got to bring your needs to Jesus. You got to bring your needs. Somebody say, bring your needs to Jesus. Look at verse 3 and 4. The wine supply ran out during the festivities. So Jesus' mother told him, they have no more wine. Dear woman, that's not, my, that's not our problem, Jesus replied. My time has not yet come. Mary realizes what is happening and she brings the issues to Jesus. She realized this is beyond my pay grade. I can't do nothing about this. There is no liquor store to go to. There is no winery to be able to go to. There is no wine trail to be able to go. If I find a place, I don't have enough time to be able to crush all the grapes to be able to make the wine enough for this celebration. She realized this is beyond me and I need some help right now. And she goes to Jesus. Can I tell you something, saints of God? Thank you, Holy Spirit, because this doesn't help me this morning right now. That listen, your issues and your problems may overwhelm you, but our problems and our issues cannot overwhelm Jesus. They may make us tired. They may get us sweet. They may keep us up at night. But they will not burn him down at all. He's looking for you and I to bring him our needs. He's looking for you and I to bring him everything, every request, every desire, every need that we have. He's looking for us to come to him so that he can fix it. Wouldn't it be wonderful if just Jesus just came and just instantly got involved and solved all of our affairs? Sometimes I like it because the Lord uses my girls to preach to me that I can see them, you know, Carrie and Kenny are getting to the age now where they have grown to a slight level of independence, you know, 
and they know how to do certain things on their own and certain things they want to be able to do on their own and, you know, opening up toys and different stuff like that on Christmas. Daddy, I got this. I can do this. And so, and I'm thinking to myself, but you don't even have the tools to be able to open this box. You need a knife. You need some scissors to be able to cut this open. And so I'm sitting there watching them struggle, knowing that I could easily intercept and get involved and solve this real quick real fast but I sit there and I watch them struggle I'm not sitting there and watching them struggle because I don't love them and because I don't care about them I'm looking and watching them struggle sister Baker to see how soon will they continue to struggle until they recognize that the answer that they need is right there in daddy's hand the answer that they need daddy has it the solutions that they need their father has it right there could it be that sometimes Jesus in his loving kindness and long suffering with us will allow us to be able to struggle through certain things at times not because he hates us not because he's trying to punish us but he's waiting to see how long will they recognize that they need me because sometimes oh God here I am again sometimes pride keeps us from bringing our knees to Jesus Oh, I can figure this out. I could take care of this. And we bring about unnecessary stress and struggle because we don't want to bring it to him. And everything we need, he's got it. He's able to fix it. He's able to solve it. But he's just waiting on us to bring it to him. Can it be our prayer that this year, that this will be the year that I will not carry unnecessary stuff? I'm not going to carry unnecessary burdens, but I'm going to bring it to Jesus. I'm not going to wear myself out trying to think how I'm going to solve it, trying to think through this thing. I'm going to bring it to Jesus. I'm going to bring my marriage to Jesus. I'm going to bring my kids to Jesus. I'm going to bring my health to Jesus. I'm going to bring my finances. I'm going to give him access to everything in my life because I don't have to struggle unnecessarily when I know that my father has the capability to solve everything that I'm dealing with. He's looking for us to bring him our needs. When's the last time you had a real heart-to-heart with the, with the master and said, Lord, this is how I'm feeling. This is where I'm at right now. I don't know what to do, so I'm looking to you. When's the last time we've been open and transparent with God? For he already knows what we're going to think before we, we even say it. He already, already knows our heart. But when is the last time we had a heart-to-heart with God and really told him what was on our hearts and our minds and really allowed him to deal with it? When you run out, you got to invite Jesus in. Somebody say invite Jesus in. And invite Jesus, but then secondly, we got to bring our needs to Jesus. Somebody say, Bring your needs to Jesus. We're almost at the end. When you run out, you got to give Jesus what you have. Look at verse 6. I love it. So simple, but yet profound at the same time. Standing nearby were six stone water jars used for Jewish ceremonial cleaning. Each could hold about 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus told the servants, fill the jars with water. And when the jars had been filled, he said, now dip some out and take it to the master of ceremonies. So the servants followed his instructions. 
gave Jesus the problem. They invite Jesus in. They told him, we're out of wine. We don't know what to do. We don't know where to go. But then they use what they already had to participate in the miracle that God was about to do in their lives. Sometimes the issue is not what we don't have. Sometimes we overlook what we already need that's around us because it does not seem as if it will be enough to do what it needs to do. But most times if we could just take the time to, ass to assess where we are and what we have around us and give what we have to Jesus, he can be able to take the little bit that we have and make much out of it. Come on here, John chapter 5, when they're out there, when Jesus is out there with the disciples, is about 5,000 women, uh, 5,000 people, not including the women and the children, and all they have is two fish and five loaves of bread. They had no Walmart to go to. They had no Kroger to go to. They had no snooks to go to. All they could do was look at what they already had. And Jesus asked, what do you have? They said, hey, it's a little boy here that we can hijack and take his two fish and five loaves of bread. And they took what they had and they placed it in the hands of Jesus. And Jesus was able to take the little bit that they had and felt a, and fed a multitude. Give what you have to him. There was nothing special about these jars. They were simply made of clay. But Jesus took what they had to teach them two things. I want you to be able to recognize that I can take the ordinary and do the extraordinary with it. Do you see that? He took something that was made of clay and used it to get them to participate in their own miracle. He could have instantly created wine right there. But he said, no, that's too easy. I need you to have some skin in the game. I need you to participate in your own miracle. I need you for yourself to know that I am real because of the experience that you've had with me. Give Jesus what you have. It doesn't matter how ordinary it is. It doesn't matter how insignificant it is. Give him what you have. And he masters at taking the ordinary and doing the extraordinary with it. Here's the last thing. When you run out, do what Jesus says. Look at verse 5. But the mother told the servants, do whatever he tells you to do. Simple words that Mary says to the servants. Do whatever he says to do. If you notice in the text, there was no conversation of going back and forth. She told them, do whatever he says to do. And we jump down two verses later, they began to do exactly what Jesus says to do. The biggest part to us experiencing a miracle in our lives is simply in our obedience. Oh, I just cursed. We don't like that word. We don't like that word. Let me say it again. Make sure I'm in the right place. I, 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 I said, I said, I, I said, the simple ingredient to us seeing a miracle in our lives is our obedience. 
All Jesus was looking for them to do was to simply obey every word that he said, how he said it, when he said it. They were going to experience a miracle in their lives and are in front of them as long as they obeyed what Jesus said to do. They've already invited him in. They've already given him their needs. They've already bring what they have. All they have to do now is simply obey everything that Jesus says to do. Could it be that we don't always experience the extraordinary or the supernatural in our lives because we won't obey what Jesus says to do? Look at verse 7 through 11. It says, he says, he here's what he tells them. He says, Jesus told the servants, fill the jars with water. And when the jars have been filled, he said, now dip some out and take them to the master of ceremonies. So the servants, uh, 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 so the servants follow his instructions. When the master of the ceremony tasted the water that was now wine, not knowing where it had come from, though, of course, uh, the servants knew he called the bridegroom over. Uh, a host always serves the best wine first, he said. Then when everyone else had a lot of drink, a lot to drink, he brings out the less expensive wine, but you have have kept the best wine until now. This miraculous sign at Cana in Galilee was the first time Jesus revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. Simply obedience. Here it is. The best obedience isn't what people see on the platform. It's what's done behind the scenes. The best obedience is not when you're trying to live right in front of everybody and the whole world sees you. But it's when you're tempted in private and you choose to cling to Jesus. It's when you could do what you want to do, but you don't do it because you trust in him. It is when, when we obey God and no one sees us but him. Could it be that that's what the Lord is looking for us now in our lives, in our daily walk with him? It's to simply obey him, not for the fanfare, not so that others can be able to say, oh my gosh, what a disciple they are of Jesus. But could it be that Jesus wants to be able to go into behind the scenes of our lives and see, can we obey him in secret when no one else knows? Because if you read the text, nobody at the wedding knew what was going on. <clears throat> Mary did not go on Instagram and tell the whole wedding that they ran out of wine. <laughs> Mary told Jesus. Jesus gets involved. He teaches, he, he uses the disciples to teach us how to be able to follow instructions. And the next thing you know is they see a miracle. All because they obeyed God. And sometimes Jesus will allow us to run out to see. Will you only obey me when you have a lot? Or can you obey me when you have little? Because true obedience it's not just it's when you have a lot or plenty. It's easy. The Lord tell you to bless somebody with $100 and you got $10,000 in your account. Easy to do it. But the Lord tell you to bless somebody with $100 and you have $100. Because then that's when we start talking King James. Father God, <laughs> you knoweth my condition and you know it my heart. And we will look for ways to wiggle out of it 
when it's a true test to see, can you obey me when it hurts? Can you obey me when it is a sacrifice and you feel the sacrifice? Sometimes Jesus will allow us to run out to see how much do you trust me? How much do you really depend upon me? And all of us can be able to attest to the fact that, 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 that there's much truth to that because, hey, we can have all these crutches in our lives that we depend on our jobs and that good check is coming in every month and all of this, but when it's taken out from us, can we still trust them? Can we still depend on them? And Jesus sometimes will allow us to run out to see what we're really made of. And to look at the status of our relationship with him. To see, can you still trust me when I've asked you to do something that sounds absolutely crazy? If you get nothing else from what I've said today, the miracles always begin when the wine runs out. Miracles always begin when the rind runs out. Miracle may not always happen when there's a moment of plenty, but miracles can likely happen when there's moments of lack that we see. That we see Jesus in a way that we've never seen him before. That we see him, you don't, you don't know, you don't know about the Lord being your strength until you go through grief and loss. You don't know about his grace is sufficient until you don't have a loss. And how his grace sustains and keeps your mind. You don't know about contentment until you know what it's like to have much and then all of a sudden you have nothing. Miracles happen. When there are moments of nothing that we see God show up in a way that we've never seen him before. If we want to see a miracle in our lives, if we want to see him take the ordinary and do the extraordinary in our lives, let's make a pact that we're going to get Jesus involved in every area of our lives this year, that there's nothing that we're going to withhold, there's nothing that we're going to block, there's nothing that we're going to try to rearrange to try to get him out, but that we're going to bring our stuff to Jesus, that I'm not going to allow myself to be unnecessarily overwhelmed by things that I know that I cannot fix or handle, but I'm going to give them and them, give it and them to Jesus. I'm going to give him what I have because he can take the little bit that we have and do something amazing with it. That I'm going to obey him. I'm going to do what he says, when he says it, and how he says it. Simple obedience. Because don't get it twisted. Delayed obedience is still disobedience. Delayed obedience is still disobedience. So whatever he wants us to do, 
We got to be willing to do it when he says it, how he says it, and the way that he wants it done. Amen. Come on and put those hands together. Give God praise this morning. Oh, my goodness. Listen, there may be somebody in the room today watching online. If you're watching online right now and you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, if you don't have a relationship with him, man, what a better opportunity than now. The first day of a brand new year to give your life to the Lord. Listen, you can give yourself to him just as you are. You don't have to try to fix yourself up. You don't have to try to do any of those things. When he went and died on the cross, he knew the condition that we were being, and he did it once and for all to seal the deal. You give him exactly who you are and watch and see what the master would take your life and how he would take your life and, and change your life and, and, and just do some extraordinary things in and through you if you don't know him today you can know him you don't have to leave this service today watch it online not knowing Jesus but you can ask him into your heart right now and see the difference that he'll make in your life if you don't have a church home doesn't matter where you are doesn't matter where you live we will love I would love to be your pastor we would love to be your church family just inbox us and say hey I want to be I want to be part of team Hopewell. I want to be saved and someone from my team will reach out to you whether you're watching on Facebook or YouTube someone from my team will reach out to you if you need prayer, email your prayer request to Hopewell, uh, uh, prayer team at hopewellmb.org, and someone from our prayer team will reach out to you, pray with you, because we believe in the power of prayer. If you're in the building this morning and you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, as our ministers and elders and prayer team are coming now,